1: That's eight hundred seven eight eight fourteen ninety five.
2: You guys, it's Rick Tittle.
3: Welcome back to Sports Byline USA. Where you been, girl? Where you at? What you got? What you get? Come on in and get heard. We're talking sports at Sports Byline USA. My name is Rick Tittle and my customary time slot, 9 to noon, which somehow, someway, I've been doing over 20 years. Didn't you ever have any ambition, Tittle? <laughs> But I'm here for you. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, quadrilateral, ball, chess checkers, rugby, cricket. I want to talk sports with you. I cover everything. You're an expert now. But I'll talk about any sport you would like at 1-800-878-PLAY. That's the toll-free line. Call it up. Put me to the test, baby. Rick, I want to talk drone racing. Let's do it. How about Turkish oil wrestling? I don't know what that is. Maybe I made it up. But let's talk about it. 1-800-878-7529. We're also proud to be on American Forces Network. That's all over the planet. That's our forces. That's right. I say our because I'm American. That's right. We're coming in with our tanks, baby. I was never in the military. Well, kind of. ROTC. Anyway, one... (laughs) If you're in the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, National Guard, Space Force, Delta Force, you're doing a great job. Stay safe. Come home soon. We're proud of you. Keep up the good work. Great stuff. Also, we are around the world on the World Wide Web. Sportsbyline.com. Go there. Click Listen Live. and emails? Rick at Sportsbyline.com. Get in and get heard. Also, uh, CRN Digital Plus 2, the cable radio network channel, to your cable provider. You can go to Sportsbyline.com. Click Listen Live. Emails? Rick at Sportsbyline.com. The Twitter is at Rick Tittle. We got NASCAR driver Greg Golding coming up after this quick break. We also have the climber-adventure photographer L. Renee Blunt. We'll have Australian actress Nadine Garner as well. How will we fit it all in? We only have three hours, so come on in and get heard. And the Twitter, I think I said the Twitter's at Rick Tittle. The Facebook page, Tiddletting Sports with Rick Tittle. That's me. Come on back.
5: Let's help you next. Take advantage of the opportunity to get started today. Call 1-800-356-7308. That's
6: 1-800-356-7308. Again, 1-800-356-7308.
7: Do you use the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life? Are you thinking about it? What if we can promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? If you're paying $20 a pill for the other pills, you're getting taken to the cleaners. Right now.
1: Paid for by Steel Man Pills. 800 965 1295. 965 1295. 965 1295. That's 800 965 1295.
3: All right, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show NASCAR driver Greg Galding. He's here to announce that uh, he's going to be returning with primary sponsor Panini America. They are the official trading card of NASCAR. He'll also be with SS Greenlight Racing for a lot of races coming up this season. He's going to compete full-time in the Xfinity Series starting here on the 18th at uh, Daytona, and uh, he'll be in the 08 uh, Chevy Camaro Resplendent in uh, Panini, America, paint job as well. First of all, Gray, welcome to the show, and I know stock cars are a lot of, uh, you know, sometimes it'll be a Chevy Lumina, what have you, but a Camaro, does it get any cooler than that?
9: I know, right? No, it's uh, it's definitely pretty cool to race a Chevy uh, Camaro with the Panini Colors back on board at Daytona. So, uh, Rick, I really appreciate your time, man, and uh, look forward to chatting a little bit more.
3: Yeah, and you know the other thing too is you're like 24 years old, but for for race car drivers, this isn't something you picked up when you were a teenager. By the time you're 24, you're kind of like a grizzled vet, like 20 years in, right?
9: Pretty much, yes. I uh, 21 to be exact. Uh, <laughs> I'm in this racing deal. So, I, I mean, this is pretty much all I've ever known, and I'm um, just so appreciative and thankful to, you know, to actually make it. You know, that was always my dream as a kid is to race the Daytona 500, win a NASCAR race, you know, be very fortunate enough to break some of the, you know, the coolest records in the Canaan series and, and that type of thing. But uh, it's been a great journey. I'm so thankful for all my great partners. You know, Panini's been there for me every step of the way since 2019, to think a, a small little partnership at Bristol turned into something, what it's become today, is uh, is, is just so cool. And, um, no, we're excited, man. I tell you, to have my Panini colors back at Daytona, you know, we're praying that the car is as fast as the Xfinity Internet, that's for sure, because we know, uh, we know it's going to be a great season, a long season, and um, I believe in my guys. And I think SS Greenlight Racing and myself being back teamed up, I think the competition uh, better watch out for us.
3: You know, I think about young prodigies, you know, like Mozart was writing symphonies when he was 8 years old, and I'm comparing you to Mozart Gray because here you are. Wow, thank you. <laughs> Well, just the young prodigy, here you are at 12. You're showing, I mean you're, you're you're winning the legend car, the youngest ever. Here you are at 15. I mean, you basically let everybody know before you could even drive a car legally that you were going to be a pro, why did it come to you? I mean, obviously you had some God-given talent, but you had to work at it really hard too. So when did you kind of know that you were separating yourself from the other kids?
9: Oh man, I tell you, like I said, it's it's been a crazy journey. You know, it's definitely been a, a roller coaster of a ride, but I wouldn't take back anything. I got no regrets of what I've been able to accomplish and, you know, learn some, some life lessons along the way. You know, when you get thrown into you know, racing professionally in NASCAR when you're 15, you really don't even know who you are as a young man and as a teenager. So I got, I had a lot of great teachers along the way. Bobby Dotter, number one, he's been a mentor um, to me my entire career. And to think that the actual shop that I'm racing out of, just like we did in 2019, is where I took my first laps in a bandolero car in the parking lot. And this is where I can call, you know, call this home and and uh be teamed up but no i mean to add to your question i mean yeah i mean i guess i had some you know some god-given talent but you know i've really worked hard at my craft behind the wheel you know from the time at the go-kart track to the time in the gym um you know working the sponsorship side i mean you name it like a lot of drivers i I feel like nowadays don't really have to see the the true grind it takes to get to the next level i mean i was playing 20 different hats when I was 14, 15 years old with the sponsors, taking the picks, you know, the interviews, like it's a completely different unorthodox life compared to the, the, the normal teenager. But you know, I, I felt like I grew up fast and, um, I, I just was able to live out my dream. And, and if you really think about it, there's 40 drivers out there each week. And to say that I'm one of 40 of the best in the world is, is honestly like a dream come true because there's so many kids out there, so many talented drivers that will never get a a chance at this, you know. So that's why this year I got a lot riding on this, and um, I'm just looking forward to being as as successful as possible and and, uh, just really work my tail off and, and, and get the results we need.
3: No doubt. A couple more questions for Greg Galding, and I would imagine too. In those early days, once someone sees that you have talent, people want to glom on, and maybe it's a it's an agent or a sponsor, or maybe it's girls. I mean, how do you? How did you? At a young age, was it your parents or a mentor that could separate the people who could help you against the people who just wanted to make a dime off of you?
9: Oh, that's a great question. I mean, you're. You, I mean, I feel like any celebrity athlete, whether you know, you're a basketball player, football player, professional race car driver, you're going to have to navigate through the the snakes and alligators in the pond at the end of the day, you know, but the way I look at it, I've 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 been able to build some of the greatest relationships/friendships slash and you know, um team members that I've worked with in the past and and that's kind of what I really try to focus on is be thankful for for what I have and and where I'm going compared to like you said, I mean the girls the the sponsors that might want to tag along or even some people that you thought that were your friends, you know, they kind of let you down because you thought they were a true friend. And then, you you know, eventually you got to see the true colors. So um, I think, you know, as far as my, my family goes, having solid mentors to kind of keep me grounded and, and yes, you know, you all athletes fall at some point and, and they got to, you know, have that team around them to pick them back up to get them back going in the right direction. And I've just been able to learn so much through these years. I mean, like you said earlier, when you asked me like, yeah, I'm 24. I've been doing this professionally since I, you know, since I was 14, 15. Yeah. I, I, mean, I am starting to feel like a, like a vet, you know? So um, it's important for me to kind of understand this is a new chapter of my career in life. And I've had to rebuild my career a few times, you know, I've raced at the highest in the, in the largest teams and I've raced for the smallest team. So, I think with my story, if anybody out there is listening, you know, you can't give up, and, and things are going to be tough, but you got to figure out a way to bounce back, and, and um, I feel like the number one thing for me is bouncing back and getting back to what I know best, and, and it's SS Greenlight Race and, you know, Panini. Um, you know, we, we've been able to have so many great sponsors over the years, but you really figure out which one's truly got your back, you know. So it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's been a roller coaster, but I uh, made it out on the other side, you know.
3: Yeah, very well said. One more question for you. Um, as much as you're a grizzled vet, you can race as long as you're successful. This isn't a sport where you got to get out when you're 35 like most sports. Is there an exit strategy for you, or are you just going to keep racing as long as you can?
9: Um, you know, I, I I think about that every now and then, but, I mean, the main focus is obviously driving. Number one, that's my passion. That's what I know I'm I'm at my best. I know for a fact with the amount of work and hours and time, that I've I've put into this dream of of having to sacrifice a lot too. You know I've sacrificed um, you know school dances and and sports and things like that to to chase this all the time and and that's what I tell a lot of kids that you know ask me for advice and along those lines is at the end of the day you got to be passionate you got to want it because you love doing what you do and that's exactly what I love doing so. I'm gonna take it every day at a time, you know, each year at a time. But mainly, you know, for me, I would love to, you know, get in broadcasting after my career is over, whenever that may be, you know. So it's 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 a tough call, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my options open. I I wouldn't be uh, opposed to to uh, hopefully owning a race team. That'd be great. You know, you see with Denny Hamlin and, and a couple of these race car driver guys uh, being drivers and 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 you know. Winning races, but also having su- successful race teams. So that's kind of in the cards for me. Uh, but like I said, I'm going to take it every day at a time.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you certainly, you sound like, a, you're, you're talking like a guy my age. You got, it seems like you got it all figured out. Best of luck to our guest, Greg Galding. Remember to check him out, 18th at Daytona in the number 08 Chevy Camaro from SS Greenlight Racing. And you'll see it because of the Panini America, the official uh trading card of nascar he'll be as i said resplendent uh, in that uh, paint job great good stuff man thanks for coming on and uh let's catch up down the road
9: yes sir absolutely i appreciate your time and uh look forward to talking to you again man
3: all right uh, very well those uh, i always find like nascar guys and canadian hockey players are always like the uh the most polite i'm rick Tittle. come on back
1: 800-760-1845. That's
13: 800-760-1845. I'm not insightful enough to be a movie critic. Maybe I could be a food critic. These muffins taste bad. Or an art critic. That painting is bad.
14: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: Yes, I have that uh, effect on people. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show L. Renee Blunt. She is a professional adventurer. She is an athlete. She is a photographer. Um, What am I leaving out, Renee? You do everything, right?
2: I do a little of everything, but that pretty much sums up the main things.
3: Now, it's uh, it's interesting. Conan O'Brien one time said he hated telling people, especially at SNL when he was a writer, that he went to Harvard because they'd be like, "Ooh, a Harvard guy. He's smarter than us." Ooh. Do you ever, <laughs> do you ever get any of that?
2: To be honest, I don't lean into telling people because sometimes <laughs> they they will treat you different and and for me, I think I'm I'm my circumstances, I've been really lucky in some respects, um, even though I've had like like the whole single parent story. Um, I recognize there's so many people I went to school with who were just as bright and smart. I just were, was able to have a, a mom that was super into education and school, um, despite her circumstances, and so um, there's so many brilliant people out there that haven't got the same chances as me, so I try not to dwell on it too hard.
3: Now, you're an East Bay native like me, right?
2: Not a native. Um, I'm from Georgia, but Mm. I definitely, I've been living here off and on for the past couple years, and I'm based, yeah, I'm based here full-time now.
3: All right, let's, uh, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, obviously February is Black History Month, and Mm -hmm. looking at uh, some interesting uh, people, Sid Hartha Ula, a pro half-type snowboarder, um, someone I've interviewed before, Andrew Alexander King, big wave surfer. And you, as a uh, a creative person uh, and a climber uh, as well. So, for you, what is it uh, uh, the climb? Because some people say, you know, the old Sir Edmund Hillary. Why do you climb it? Because it's there. What is it for you?
2: Oh, there's so many. There's so many things. I think the main thing is the joy that it brings me. It's super meditative, and if you, it's one of the few sports where, for me, you kind of lock in and completely focus otherwise you fall and there's like a beauty to it and it's almost kind of like ballet on a wall like there's a flow and like being in a flow state um it's just deeply meditative and more importantly fun
3: i'm gonna guess and now pictures don't always tell the story you can't but judge a book by the cover but every time i see a picture of you it's like you just heard the most hilarious joke of your life you must be a really (laughs) (laughs) happy you must be a really happy person naturally
2: so, I mean, I grew up in a family that everyone's a comedian. And so, and to be honest, you know what I'm doing now? I'm like on the NetG adventure team. I'm able to climb. I work with um, some really amazing brands to tell really rad stories. Um, I feel really, really fortunate and lucky. And I recognize I should enjoy the life that I have and making sure I'm um, being a great steward it to others and so I just feel like a lot of gratitude and why not enjoy it
3: so really when you think about it you're getting paid to work and it doesn't really feel like working to you does it
2: oh it does feel like work (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't I think people see like the Instagram or the social media version (laughs) but honestly to get that one picture um, uh, like I did one where I went to explore the world's largest cave with Sony on an expedition, that one picture, it's a team of 30. It's a, how many months it took to plan it. And so, um so that for that one epic thing and all the training to make sure you're physically um, set and ready to do certain tasks, it's a combination of so many people's efforts and life's work to get there that, uh it is a ton of work and convincing and all these things. Um uh but no. So I think in the imagery you see that one or two joyous moments that you don't see like the slog. However, um I am doing thing I'm doing something that um I dreamed of that I never thought would actually happen. And so um I'm always like reminded of that and making sure I want people to laugh and enjoy too.
3: I say, you know, I was looking at some of your photography. There's one I really like. It looks like, you know, like a little squirrel monkey dipping its head into like a papaya or, or something. How, when did you find that you had the photographer's eye?
2: Um, when did I find, I think I found it. So at the tail end of grad school, like I could never afford a camera. Um, and then, uh, like I was always in like architecture school taking pictures of models with my cell phone and I always wanted one. So like I saved up after an internship and then I got the chance to study in Japan, um, with this architect, um, he was like super famous dude. And I really couldn't speak the language. I'm like, there, you start to feel lonely after a while. There's only so much sushi and ramen you're going to eat. And so... I kind of learned to use the camera um, as like, and I was just constantly YouTubing and like any adventure. Um, and so I didn't really think anything of it until someone from the North Face reached, reached, reached out, excuse me, someone from the North Face reached out and I was like, Oh, huh. <laughs> and so I was just having fun with it. I just wanted to show illuminate people. Um, and my friends that we were there and we're doing like some, some rad stuff. In a way that was really genuine and um, honestly
3: really fun. You know, when I think about uh, your a lot of your pictures, you talk about not being able to afford a camera. There was one with the uh, the Sony Alpha Seven V R, which is like a three thousand dollar camera. And it's it's one. It's got kind of this. You're in the cave, and it's got like this gothic arch, and there's like fog on the outside, and there's a reflection. It looks like something out of Middle Earth. It's an extraordinary photograph what can we do with these $3,000 cameras now
2: I think you can do um, so much but to be honest I feel like you just can't let the tool be the deciding factor of whether or not you're going to do something Mm -hmm. Um, to be honest I didn't own like a commercial grade camera until 2020 I was borrowing them from work or renting them when I had like a shoot and then I was just kind of like okay I can rent a camera for 300 bucks um, and so there's more than one way to get at something, but, um, if you were able to understand and utilize the tool, it really opens up the world. Um, uh, there's just so much like the way they track eyes, the way they can just really lock in a moment and capture it how it is forever. Um, I, I, I mean, that the cave was almost for me a, a lesson in void and space that mm. um, I never kind of anticipated because uh, you're just there. And it's just like, I mean, it might have been like the, the raddest thing I've ever done. Um, and like you're just saying, wow, the entire time. And how do you capture it in an image that can convey what you're going through um, to, to the world? Um, it's tough. And you just try to go for it with the tool That you have, and luckily, um, Sony's been really kind Um, and let me use their their new camera to test how Void would look or and how it comes out.
3: And then finally, you know, you're doing your passion, but but also when you look around and you think of like climbers are most like these bearded European guys, and as African American woman, I'm sure you are inspiring to a lot of people as well. How do you sort of take that? that role model, uh, moniker on?
2: Um, for me, it's just making sure that there's a lot of power in the visual of, um, seeing someone that looks like you, um, and just kind of recognizing, I try to stay to my, stay true to myself. Um, it's really, I like to have fun. Um, and I recognize like with some of my counterparts, like, uh, it's, how do I get more people to join? There's actually quite a few of us out there, but, you know, the look of an ice beard and um, being grizzled and suffering doesn't necessarily always feel welcoming to people that haven't historically felt welcomed. And so, but for me, just being myself and expressing the joy of it and that anyone can join me, um, I think is really palatable. And, And making sure that, When people DM me, I I respond back. I do free climbing events. Um, We've had 150 people in the gym uh, and that I did completely free events um, in California and in New York City where I used to live. And so just making sure that people know that when they come that it can be this really enjoyable thing. It doesn't have to be about always getting to the top. It's really just having fun along the journey and that's getting there, that's going to it and having a good time with your people or just being outside. That can be the win.
3: Great stuff from L. Renee Blunt. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, let's try and catch up down the road.
2: That'd be amazing. Thank you so much for having me.
3: No doubt. It's my pleasure. We'll take a quick break, and we got some open lines on the other side at 1-800-878-7529.
14: You must be crazy use a DOG, and if you was my man I would have been kicked you out of my house by now this is what had happened
3: goodness gracious what's that all about all right one eight hundred a play get in the big news in sports last night is that we now have a new scoring champion I always wait 40 minutes to get to the top story on my show Yes, LeBron James has eclipsed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Michael Jordan on the same night. What does that mean? Well, that's because is he now the greatest of all time? And that number, 38,387, he hit it with a fadeaway. They stopped the game. And probably fitting that he was wearing a Laker jersey Kareem was in the house wearing his jacket that said Captain 33 on it. And, you know, he has four rings, four regular season most valuable player awards, four NBA finals, MVPs. The resume is glittering. He has the fourth most assist in NBA history. He passed that uh, from fifth to fourth earlier this week reminding anyone who doesn't think that LeBron isn't multifaceted. And as I said, Kareem, who's been on the show, was there to watch. And Hollywood royalty filling the first few rows of the Staples Center there, or whatever it's called. Uh, The media was overflowing. It all seemed very heavy, but also very, you know, kind of glorious in a way, and and uh, when he went for that shot, a ISO little shoulder nudge, the world watching, holding its breath, the fadeaway, the perfect arch, the swish, and uh, now the all-time leading scorer. And as I said, <clears throat> did he pass Michael Jordan, too, as the kids would say, the goat? When I was growing up, the goat meant the guy who choked. Now it's the antithesis of that. It's not just the guy who choked. It's the greatest of all time, yes. So if you think about... Jordan's defense of what he had six for six in the finals never went to a game seven in any of those finals hit the game winner for North Carolina and March Madness to win the national championship just what he was able to do all defense <clears throat> but history has a way of forgetting and the recency bias is always there And to me, Jordan will always be the greatest. But the people, like I have a friend who says LeBron's all hype. That's just sort of like his catchphrase. (laughs) And so, you know, the whole be like Mike era over and over again and and what Jordan did to take over. I'll just tell you this. When Jordan came to town, it was uh, something where the whole town shut down. When LeBron comes to town, it's like, "Eh, okay, LeBron's here. just as far as mystique goes. And aura is the way it is. But LeBron now has been too outstanding for too long with too much dominance. And you could say his greatness is something that Jordan can't match when you just talk about that size and in the paint as well. And when Jordan was reigning, there were other old guys at the time who said, you know, Kareem's the greatest or Wilt, and they go, well, those are different positions. And it is, it is difficult to say, right. But, I mean, Kareem was the all-time scoring leader and a rebounding machine and a six-time champion um, as well. And part of being the actual best of all time is trying to erase your rival's place in the history books, and that's a zero-sum proposition because you're not just building something, you're chasing someone. And to pass them is almost to diminish it. And Jordan did that to Kareem in a way, in the way that kind of the magic bird duality that preceded him. And now LeBron, is he doing it as well? I mean, I remember years ago, LeBron was doing a uh, television interview, and he was in a pretty jovial mood when someone asked him this is like i don't know 10 years ago and they go do you want to be the past jordan as the greatest of all time and his eyes lit up and he said i want to be the greatest player of all time that's just what he said the intensity was real and look jordan <laughs> It, I've always felt, and, and we I've had these debates over the years, I've always felt it's it's a fool's errand to just argue about who's the best when two guys play a different position in, in different eras. And they talk about, as I said, recency bias or the zeitgeist or whatever else. And the subjective public opinions and, and where they go. The debate will always rage on. <clears throat> I don't think there's any doubt uh, in that. But you could see the joy on his face. And there's so many NBA games that are mundane. And, you know, for decades, I would go to warrior games and watch people just walking around, especially the warriors. They just stunk so bad. There's such a, I don't even want to say joke because jokes are funny. They weren't funny. They were just laughably bad. And so I just think about how mundane so many NBA games are. And so to hit that shot and just to see the look on LeBron's face and then his Kids came out, and th- the other thing, too, is you talk about <clears throat> needing 36 points against OKC to get the record, and he finished with 38. You know, it's just he stepped up when he needed it. I w- I wonder if you asked him at the beginning of his career that when you break the record, you'll be bald. He'll probably say, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you'll be on the Lakers. He'd probably say, oh, well, that's cool. Um, then they'd say, you'd be wearing bright neon pink high tops. He'd be like, well, that's not a possibility. (laughs) (laughs) Times have changed. How long did Kareem have that record? 39 years. That is by far the longest someone has been the NBA all-time scoring champ. Wilt had it for 18 years. He was there from 1966 to 1984. And to see LeBron and Kareem come out to center court and the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, is there and Kareem's holding a bar, the ball and LeBron is got his hands on his knees. He's just bent over. It was almost like too surreal for him. And I think that's a lot of times what we want from our professional athletes. We want them to care because we see... High school and college kids, they care. But sometimes in the pros, it's like, ah, it's just a job. It's just a job. And LeBron started crying, you know. He was, he was teared up. And it was also interesting when Kareem hugged him, it was the first time LeBron looked up to a guy, <laughs> literally and figuratively, he's so tall. So the, the thing I think is most remarkable When you talk about the best pure scorers in NBA history, you'll write down 10 names and you'll never write down LeBron James as the pure scorer. Would you? You would. Dominic would. I I would think of these graceful shooters, right? Like Rick Barry and Steph Curry. We had two of the best all time right here. Jerry West and Elgin Baylor and Dominique Wilkins and, you know, Pistol Pete. These guys, just these beautiful strokes, you know, Reggie Miller, You know, Clay Thompson, just these pure scores. I don't usually... I probably wouldn't think of LeBron, but who has the record? And a lot of people say, well, he's a pass-first guy, which isn't accurate. I'll just give you my own personal story about the dominance of LeBron James. This was 2015, and the Warriors were in their first finals since... In 40 years. And... I'm at every game in Oakland in the media row behind the basket. And LeBron, on every inbound, he would take the ball up the court. He'd get to the top of the key. He would turn around, back you down, back you down, back you down. Every time he would back you down with one dribble, it would be like three feet, three feet, three feet. Then he would just lay it in, or he'd go one way and lay it in the other way. And they put... Dramond on him, they put Iguodala on him, they put Festus Ezeli on him, they put David Lee on him, they put Andrew Bogut on him, and no one could stop him. No one. And if they did, they fouled him. And I just thought, why, why would they do anything else? Why would he kick it out to Iman Shumpert or Matthew Della Vidova? You gotta remember, Kevin Love was hurt. Kyrie Irving got hurt in the first game. It was just LeBron and maybe a little Tristan Thompson but it was really just LeBron back you down and i just thought this is this is unstoppable <laughs> how are we i mean and this was the most playground thing it was just like look i'm bigger and stronger and better than you and you can't stop me from scoring a basket and so therein contradicts what i just said about pure scorers because the object is to get the ball through the hoop but I'm thinking of guys with beautiful jump shots. That's what I'm thinking about. Beautiful jump shots. LeBron had, when you think about his uh, buzzer beaters, he had one in Oakland early in his career, which was basically from half court, which was just maddening one time. But to, to first of all, to score 36 points in an NBA game is no short order. But to do it on command LeBron in front of everyone, you need 36. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's 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 really it's really incredible what he was able to do last night. And and look, I hate the Lakers. But this this is not about the Lakers. It's it's just not about the Lakers. It's about you know, and some people accuse me of not being a fan of the game, and and I embrace that. That is true, because but LeBron, you just think about Cleveland, then Miami, then Cleveland, and then coming back to the Lakers, and of course the whole world was watching, and you're gonna—I mean, his whole family was there, which was great, and you know, all you got to do is just check social media for. Everybody, you know, everyone on the Chiefs and the Eagles, if you want to look there. I think it's hilarious that Isaiah Thomas put congrats goat because he hates Jordan. (laughs) We all know what that means. That doesn't mean congratulations, LeBron. It just means, hey, Michael, (laughs) you can kiss my butt. (laughs) I love that. Um. I think what's fascinating is if you look at the picture of LeBron taking the shot, um, Thomas Bryant was calling for the ball. (laughs) Samarill had a great tweet last night. He said, to all other Laker players trying to score, what are you doing And I know exactly what that's like, because when I went to um, December of 2021, I was at Madison Square Garden, and Steph Curry broke the all-time three record. Whenever any other Warriors shot, the whole crowd went, No! (laughs) What are you doing? All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
14: Always goes commando.
3: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the uh, show. <clears throat> um, it's always, you know, is these poignant moments in sports where you know LeBron James becomes the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, and everybody wanted to be there to say that uh, they were there, and you start thinking like, you know, who's behind him, who could catch him someday, and you know, you think about the. Steph Curry's of the world uh, what have you but LeBron when you think about the hype that he had um, coming out of uh, high school and he was going to be the guy and I think about so many others that had that same hype and weren't able to live up to it one of my favorite (laughs) sketches when he hosted Saturday Night Live Jesus was I don't know 15 years ago he was on SNL, and it was him in high school. He played himself, and Jason Sudeikis was his um, counselor. And he said, I don't know. I got an offer to go to all these great schools to play basketball, but I also can go straight into the NBA. And he goes, you know what, LeBron? When my uh, glove compartment stays open, i got to take it to a shop where a guy who didn't go to college fixes it. He tells me it costs $500, and it makes me want to burn my college to the ground. If somebody asks you where your degree is, just slam dunk in their face and say, there's my degree. Yeah, that's basically what he has done. So congrats to him. All right, we got two hours to go. We're going to bring in all your favorite guests. (laughs) Come on back on Byline.
19: News, I'm Richard Johnson. President Biden's hitting the road, making stops around the USA in the coming days to reinforce the major points from last night's State of the Union address. He also wants to hammer home that he's willing to work with Republicans. We've worked with Republicans for two years. I hope we can continue to do so in the next two years. Outgoing White House Chief of Staff Ron Klein says there's lots of common ground, like fighting cancer and stopping drugs. The president's in Madison, Wisconsin today, promoting his economic plan and what the infrastructure bill will bring to the region. Tomorrow he will talk about Medicare and Social Security in Tampa. Ukraine's president is thanking Great Britain for its help in the war with Russia.
17: You were among those very few who had helped before the large-scale invasion began.
19: Lodomar Zelensky spoke to Parliament in London before meeting with King Charles. Zelensky also asked for more, especially fighter jets. The U.K. is the second largest donor to Ukraine's war effort after the U.S. 11,000, now at least. How many people have died in the huge earthquakes and aftershocks in Turkey and nearby Syria?
20: In Syria, the biggest problem is trying to get aid into that war-tor- war-torn area, the, the area not controlled by the government. And that continues to be a problem.
19: Correspondent Kelly Kobaya in southwest Turkey. Search crews found more survivors under the rubble of buildings today. But time and winter are conspiring against hope of finding more. Lawyers defending Alec Baldwin in the shooting death on a movie set in New Mexico want to disqualify the special prosecutor. They say Andrea Reeb shouldn't be on the case because she's also an elected official, a member of the New Mexico State House. The Mortgage Bankers Association says more of us applied for a home loan last week, a surge of 7.5% from the previous week, most of that fueled by people refinancing, despite interest rates around 6.5%. This is USA News
21: moments like hearing my cat purr good morning mean a lot to me but after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or mbc which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body they mean even more i take ibrance pelvis ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for postmenopausal women or for men with hr positive her2 negative nbc as the first hormonal hormonal-based therapy ask your doctor about ibrance and visit ibrance.com ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections ibrance
19: It is now an international investigation into Nathan Chasing Horse. He's the former actor being held in North Las Vegas, Nevada, on charges of sexually assaulting Native American women and girls through a cult he formed. Now travel authorities in the Sutina Nation in Alberta want Chasing Horse as well.
7: We are in the process of applying for arrest warrants for formal charges to be laid on our behalf.
19: Sutena Police Service Sergeant Nancy Farmer says they have received tips and spoke with victims and at least one witness who alleges that Chasing Horse sexually assaulted her multiple times. The IRS would like you to wait before filing your 2022 federal tax return if you got a special payment or a state tax rebate. It's still trying to work out how to deal with those payments and promises more clarity next week. An interesting side note, before last night's State of the Union speech, Utah Senator Mitt Romney found himself in front of New York Congressman George Santos.
1: Look, he's a sick puppy. Uh, he, he shouldn't be he shouldn't be there.
19: After the speech, Romney told reporters Santos admission that he embellished his record isn't good enough.
1: Embellishing is saying you got an A when you got an A-. minus. Lying is saying you you graduated
4: from a college you didn't even attend. And he shouldn't be in Congress. They're going to go through the process and hopefully get him out.
19: Later Santos responded on Twitter writing, "Hey Mitt Romney, just a reminder that you will never be president. I'm Rich Johnson, USA News.
4: Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought I'd care about gardening until I bought a house
17: in the suburbs. But now I find myself in conversations about liquid fertilizer and I wonder, am I the fertilizer guy now? <laughs> no, no way. Everyone knows the ratio between phosphorus and nitrogen, right? Yeah, I'm still totally cool.
19: Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the
4: suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.
0: Has someone in your family lost a job recently, and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property, and your tenants aren't paying you? Quick Cash Offer can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately.
1: That's 800-788-1495 Rick Tittle knows his sports.
13: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so
2: fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it.
22: Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle biznatch.
3: Hey hey! Welcome back to the show, Rick Tittle, with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio naked, Nakeds Networks. Um, <clears throat> you ever tried curling? Why do you bring it up, Rick? Well, Travis uh, Kels, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. <laughs> he looks like Travis Kelsey. Jared Allen, apparently, he was on a. Um, curling team, and uh, they just upset the 2018 gold medalist team. Allen picked up the sport in 2018 after retiring from the Chiefs and the Vikings, the Bears and the Panthers, and he promised that he was going to win a medal. Uh, He tried to make the team that went to Beijing. Uh, He didn't make it, but uh, if his team, which by the way, Uh, includes um, another NFL uh, player um, by the name of uh, Michael Roos. They could go to the Winter Olympics in Milan, uh, or we call it Milano, in uh, 2026 as well. And um, he said, I thought curling was going to be a lot easier than it was. But I'm one of those guys who, once I start something, I'm going to see it through. Our goal at Nationals is to beat as many teams as we possibly can and see where we land. It's so different than what we're used to as football players. I think that's what's kept me so intrigued. Like the short game in golf, it's a game of finesse. You have to think two shots ahead. You have to learn how to control your body, your emotions, your heart rate. That took time to reset. Now, do you think he's a Hall of Famer? He's up for it. 136 sacks. By the way, grew up on a ranch down here in Morgan Hill, which is a little bit south of San Jose. Um You could give him you could put him in the Hall of Fame because he was in the Jackass movie, but uh, I don't think of him as a Hall of Famer. But then again, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit more harsh. Harsh. All right, open lines on the other side at 1-800-878 play I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
7: Right now,
1: Paid for by Steel Man Pills, Eight hundred nine six five one two nine five. 965 1295 965 1295 965 1295 that's eight hundred nine six five twelve ninety five.
19: 965 1295 Hi, I'm John Smoltz, former Major League Baseball pitcher and current Hall of Famer. I've had the pleasure of seeing so many great products come and go, but the Rope is the best I've ever seen. I promise you it's going to help the little leaguer, it's really going to help the big leaguer, and it's going to save those young arms from a lot of injuries.
1: The Rope Trainer allows a player to grip an actual baseball or softball while warming up. So check out theropetrainer.com and see why Hall of Famer John Smoltz swears by it. That's theropetrainer.com.
6: Check out Channel 9. Check out Rick Tunnel.
3: Check me out. Come on in. Get heard. 1-800-878-PLAY. We have Doug Thornton from ASM Global coming up in the next segment. <clears throat> I always kind of chuckle at that commercial where it goes, John Smoltz, former Major League Baseball play and current Hall of Famer. Are they going to take it away? Is he going to do something wrong? He's a Hall of Famer. I'm currently a Hall of Famer, but that's going to... Uh, It's like a presidential term, four years. Um, So this is always funny, and it always makes Dominic laugh and also throw up that I don't know a lot of these celebrities who are going to be in the Ruffles NBA All-Star Celebrity Game. There's Team Ryan and Team Dwayne. First of all, Team Ryan. Is the All-Star Game in Salt Lake City? Okay. Okay. Team Ryan. Now I got to figure out who's on Team Ryan. <laughs> First of all, is that for me? All right. Well, we have a call. We'll we'll get to this because it's always it's always interesting to me to for me to see just how uh, just how out of it I am. Let's go to Vince, who is in Lafayette, California. What's up with the Sharks and the Warriors, Vince?
23: Yeah, I was watching that uh, Sharks game uh, yesterday.
3: They only won. Yeah, great game uh, at
23: Tampa. I know, and they won the game. And I'll tell you, T.O. Meyer and Carlson, I can't stand thinking about trading those two guys. It just gets me mad because if they didn't sign um, Hurdle and traded him last year, they'd probably have enough cap space they could keep them both. But, I mean, the Sharks are really going to stink without them. Those two guys are reminding me of Joe... Thornton and and, and, and Patrick Marlowe at the height of their careers. I mean, they're just so special. And it just it's breaking my heart. I can't take it. I mean, it's just like I'm going crazy because uh, I'm a big Sharks fan and mm-hmm. it's just like they're my two favorite players. Yeah. And it's just they just got in a really bad situation. I mean, the good news is I mean, I don't know if he's making these trades. Some of most of them are minor stuff. You know, I don't know if they're going to be good trades or not. I, I just hope if he does trade them, which at least one of them is going to get traded, if not both. I just hope we get a boatload back and they're good players. I mean, but it's going to hurt. It's really going to hurt. Um, the other thing I was going to say, and just by the way, your opinion, what do you think? Do you think the Sharks will do, you think will do a good job? And by the way, I like the Sharks coach. I really think he's doing a good job for the talent he has. I mean, most of the games he's pretty close. They lost so many close games by a goal or two. Um, I think he's doing great for the team he has. What's your feeling on the coach, the GM, and and the team as a whole?
3: I think uh, this is the one time I think you do have to trade Carlson. I think the, the Sharks aren't going anywhere. He's an absolutely amazing it's, – it's almost miraculous – it really is almost miraculous. You think about how he started with the Sharks to think that he is now an extremely valuable piece to trade. Um, I'm not impressed by the coach at all. I'm not impressed by Mike Greer as the GM at all. But it's early. They still have time to win me over. But right now, I don't like either one of them.
23: I hope you're wrong because I know you were right about the, the Raiders coach. <laughs> I, was, I was giving him a lot of slack, <laughs> hoping he was going to be good. And I can't—the only thing that blows my mind is he still has a job. I mean, I thought I kept looking at the Forty ers coordinator. I go, "There's the Raiders coach, right there, sitting there at the sideline. Get him!" And no, he doesn't even let somebody else. He let Houston get him. I mean, I was just really disappointed. I, you know, being a Raiders fan, it just <laughs> breaks my heart. Um, another question regarding Raiders: Where do you think Carr winds up?
3: That's an interesting question. I know that he's in New Orleans today. I think his fit would be Houston, even though Houston's lame. That's this. That's the team that he grew up loving and wishing he got drafted by. So I would probably think Houston.
23: Yeah, I mean that would be a good fit, and they got a good coach. I mean now, I mean they didn't have one before, but that would be. I mean I, I don't. I wish Carr the, the best of luck. I mean I. I really think he got um, shafted with the Raiders' coordinator and poor coaching and things like that. Um, the other question with the Warriors um, unbelievable game last game. I, I, um, I hope that's not a uh, one-up, you know, and just then they go back down again. Do you think the Warriors are going to be able to um, do okay? I mean, right now they're, I think, one or two games above 500 with Doc Curry, which is like about 12 games, 13 games so far this year. How do you think they're going to do down the stretch? And do you think the warriors could turn it on for the playoffs if they make it?
3: Uh, I don't think this is the year. i just I just really don't. I just don't think this is it. I mean, I would love to say that that it is, but uh, I just I'm not I you know I, it would be great if they did turn it on, but you know they have to face the Wiseman thing about what are they going to do with him. You know, they have one more day to figure that out. Um, I would love to see them get hot, but I don't think this is their year.
23: You know, Wiseman's too late. I mean, I think the reason why Bob Meyer hasn't been signed yet is a couple of big mistakes. One is why did they sign Poole when they could just wait it to the end of the season and see where the bidders were? Because they had um, the match offer, you know, guaranteed the Warriors had that. So they could see that they could pay them less than $30 million. The other one is why did they pick up Wiseman's contract? Because if they let Wiseman did not pick up his contract, it doesn't mean you have to let him go. But they would not have to pay him thirteen million next year. They could have probably paid him two and he'd still be on the team. I mean so I mean that those are two big mistakes Bob Meyer made um going into the season. Um what do you think? Do you think those were mistakes or um you know do you think it was okay doing that?
3: I, I'm I'm okay with the pool situation. Bob Myers isn't going anywhere. They're they're not they're not mad at him. You know, and and, and he doesn't live in a bubble. He talks with Lacob and he talks with Kerr. Um, I I mean, obviously he is the GM, but um, they love that guy, and he's not going anywhere.
23: Yeah, I'd be shocked they let him go. That would be like the dumbest thing to do. But, I mean, I think you still can't give up on Wiseman. I I think the one good news with the the Curry injury, they're going to give Moody a lot more playing time, which I think if you watched him in the G League, he's actually playing really good. I think Moody is going to get his act together in time for the playoffs. He'll be a rotating player, even when Curry's back. The other, the other thing I think it's going to be good for the Warriors is they're eventually going to get Wiseman more and more playing time, and we're going to see, I think, a little snippets of uh, towards the end of the season as the season progresses, if Wiseman could fit for next year. Because I really think he, you know, if they start playing him, maybe he can fit. I, I, it's just the bad news is he was drafted second overall. If he was a second rounder, nobody would care. He wouldn't be making any money and they would have plenty of time to you know, work him to get get him in the lineup. It's just because he was drafted so high. So, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping he becomes a rotation player down the road. I don't know. Um, last thing i like to say is, uh, Oakland A's, um, what do you think? Any players that stand out that might look good next year, or should not next year, this year, um, anything to look out for? I'm still going to go to a few games, even though they, I know they're going to stink. But do you see any um, young players that might, pop out at you that you think that could be good
3: well I think once we get to September and they they hopefully it would be nice to see them call up Tyler Soderstrom you know because I think he's he's going to be good you've got uh, Shea Langoliers the catcher who's supposed to have a good bat we'll see I'm, I'm interested in Fujinama although he's not young I'm interested to see uh, what he has but uh, other than that I'm not really... um, I'm not really uh, excited. Uh, I mean, listen, I'm excited about baseball season. I always am. I love baseball season, but there's no one on the roster where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to see that guy. But anyway, pitcher,
23: I'm I'm looking forward to That guy that he just signed from Cuba. I'm hoping he he, he is good. The last... very super last thing. The earthquakes. Any any think they'll be good next year? No, they're Uh, going to stink. Uh, (laughs) I...
3: <laughs> just lie to me just give me some good news <laughs> alright hey Vince thanks for the call man alright I'm Rick Tittle come on back
1: Spirit Dental offers a $100 lifetime deductible, a huge network of dentists. And here's the best part. There's no waiting periods. Yeah, that means you can call right now and have real dental insurance for you and your family tomorrow and get that immediate coverage you want. Spirit Dental has plans for just a few dollars a day up to $5,000 annual maximum, and coverage for implants. Whatever age you are, the dental insurance you need is a free phone call away. Now don't wait, and be sure to ask about Spirit's vision plan. Here's the number, 800-634-0482, 800-634-0482. That's 800-634-0482.
5: Do you have an invention idea but don't know what to do next? Let's help you next. Take advantage of the opportunity to get started today. Call 1-800-356-7308. That's
6: 1-800-356-7308. Again, 1-800-356-7308.
12: Do you own an annuity, either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. Hurry, supplies are limited. Call
1: now. 800-760-1845. 800-760-1845. 800-760-1845. That's 800-760-1845. Uh, th-
9: playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. <laughs>
14: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your Mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy.
3: All right, thank you for that and uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. We have a guest scheduled and uh, if he shows up, we'll throw him on the air. 1-800-878-play 1-800-878-7529. As I was just uh, talking about with Vince. Um the Wiseman's, And by the way, I will get to the Celebrity All-Star game. The Wiseman situation. They could save $131 million, but to get somebody to take him, you'd probably have to give up Kaminga as well, which is not good. We'll get to that in a minute. But joining us right now is Doug Thornton, and uh, Doug is with ASM Global, Uh, He is Executive Vice President, Stadium, Arena, and Theater Division. We have him on because they're in charge of the Super Bowl pretty much. They'll have it next year in Vegas, and the year after that in the Big Easy as well. Doug, welcome to the show. Take us behind the scenes. I mean, the logistics uh, to this must be beyond, uh, I mean, it's the Super Bowl for Pete's sake. So where do you even start when you... Have control over a venue and, and a game like this.
24: Well, it's a it's a very large task, uh, needless to say. Um, there's you. The NFL takes the lead in planning this event. They have a tremendous um, team that they bring in, not only uh, their own resources, but a number of subcontractors, uh, event planners, architects, engineers people that literally build a city around the stadium uh, that will accommodate uh, 70,000 fans on game day. So, and, it, and people may forget about this, but it's not just the stadium. It's the entire destination, the city that you're going to be located in that hosts Super Bowl. So the NFL has to also take that into consideration. It's the team hotels. It's the practice sites. It's the uh, party locations, all the things that go – on in and around a city on Super Bowl week. So all of that is under the purview of the National Football League, and they're very capable subcontractors. We are one of uh, many who will be involved. We're one of those uh, contractors, I guess you'd say. Uh, We happen to operate State Farm Stadium. So uh, the task is very large, but there's years of experience, I think, uh, that the NFL has in hosting these events, and they build on it every year, and they can adapt to just about any condition uh, that you might encounter. So uh, it's a it's a very large undertaking, needless to say. Well,
3: that's what I was going to ask you because I remember Super Bowl Fifty when it was here in the Bay Area, and I was at Media Row, and I I went to the game, and um, you know Media Row uh, was at the Moscone Center in downtown San Francisco, and they decorated Market Street and had this little Super Bowl city. But, of course, the game was an hour south in Santa Clara. I mean, the logistics of of two cities basically an hour apart. What are some of the things that you guys have learned over the years, a little more of this, a little less of that type of thing?
24: Well, the planning uh, starts to take place about three, almost four years in advance once the Super Bowl is awarded. Things that we've learned um, first, you have to secure the sleeping rooms. You know, the NFL is going to require probably 30,000 plus rooms to be under contract before you can even bid for the game. That's part of your bid to qualify. So, those rooms have to be held because uh, you've got not only the fans, but all the workers, all the service providers that are coming in, the sponsors, and so forth. Um, security has become uh, an increased uh, effort. You know, since uh, the the 9-11 event, the first Super Bowl that was played after, excuse me, after 9-11 was actually played in New Orleans at the Superdome. That was in 2002. And since then, these events uh, have required a lot of um, uh, security effort, and that has only continued, you know, to to build. Uh, And I think technology has advanced uh, quite a bit since then, and that has helped. Um, The customer experience. I think that's another thing that um, has improved over the years. Uh, people are paying more money to go to these games. It's um, a big corporate event, you know, weekend, if you will. So the activities in and around the stadium on game day, uh, that that fan experience has been improved, um, whether it's through technology or service offerings that can be provided in the stadium or even pre game. Uh, so those are just some of the things that we've learned. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, the planning effort, uh, you know, there, there's, there's so many things that go into it in terms of the footprint, uh, the, the location. Every city is different, as I said earlier. You mentioned the, uh, the, the, the distance between the media center in San Francisco and Levi Stadium down in Santa Clara. It's about 40 miles. Uh, so bus transportation uh, just the logistics of moving the teams and moving the media and moving, uh, you know, the service personnel, uh, all of that has to be planned in advance. So it, 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 I, there are a lot of things that have improved over the years, and it's only gotten bigger and better.
3: Also, I mean, you talk about improving the technology with AI, AR um, VR, what are some of the things that you've taken advantage of as the technology seems to just go at, at rocket speeds?
24: Well, that is mostly um, under the purview of the league. I know that there are a lot of different technologies today. Um, certainly the, the uh, artificial intelligence that you mentioned, uh, the wearables that the players have today that can track their speed, uh, can track the arc of the pass, uh, the velocity of the ball, uh, all of those things have improved uh, the uh, the way that we consume the game, whether it's in the stadium or uh, on television. Uh, another thing that has really progressed to be able to enable that is the bandwidth in these stadiums. Uh, the capacity that is required now for Wi-Fi and distributed antenna systems, 5G, inside the stadium is probably five times greater than it was just 10 years ago, uh, in order to accommodate uh, the users uh, who are consuming the product. You know, it's interesting, at a typical NFL game, the average customer is bringing at least two devices, sometimes two or three devices, to the game. One to watch it, you know, live in terms of the, the game itself. The other device might be tracking fantasy football uh, or, or sports betting. Uh, so to run all of those programs inside a stadium, it takes a lot of bandwidth. So we've seen an increased need in terms of the support infrastructure that uh, carries that uh, technology.
3: We just have a couple minutes left. I just want to ask you one more question about the fan experience, because now you've got people playing, you know, like sometimes $10,000 for a ticket, and they just don't want to go to a game now. This is almost like a mini vacation for them. Well, what, what else do you do for the fan experience?
24: Well, the NFL has the NFL experience at, that they'll be hosting at the Phoenix Convention Center, uh, but that's not the only thing. There are so many events that take place, satellite events that are sanctioned by the NFL. There's probably 30, 35 events that will take place during the weekend uh, for fans to be involved in, whether you're going to the game or not. Uh, and certainly uh, the pregame tailgate experience, the NFL tailgate, is another very popular experience for those folks who... Uh, or, or buying tickets uh, for the game that have access to that event. But uh, there are various levels of, of um, accessibility, if you will, depending on how much you spend. I mean, you can spend as little as $2,500 or as much as 30000 on these packages. There's nightly concerts. Uh, there's parties. There's uh, celebrity uh, events that take place around the city. Many of those are sponsored by the host committee, the Phoenix host committee or the city it's putting on the Super Bowl, some are sanctioned by the NFL.
3: By the way, I went to Super Bowl fifteen at the Superdome in 1981 uh, as a high school kid, and I know what Katrina did to that stadium, and, and I know you were one of the guys behind reopening that. I mean, every time you look at that, I mean, you just must be, I mean, it, talk about patting yourself on the back to get that thing back to where it is now is pretty remarkable.
24: Well, thank you for that. It has been a real um, life-changing experience for me and for those of us who live through Katrina. And to be able to bring the Superdome back and restore it to uh, a glorious condition is just uh, a very rewarding thing. You know, we're in the process of renovating the stadium now. It will be 50 years old Mm. when we host Super Bowl in 2025. Uh, We're spending about a half a billion dollars on a renovation. It's a four-phase renovation. We're in phase three of that now. And for those people who will be coming here for Saints games or for the Super Bowl in 25, uh, I think they'll be very, very pleased with what they see.
3: There is Doug Thornton, ASM Global Executive Vice President, Stadium, Arena, and Theater Division. That's because uh, ASM is uh, in charge of State Farm Stadium down there in the West Valley in Glendale. Doug, uh, thanks for coming on. Have a good Super Bowl, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road.
24: Appreciate it. Thank you.
3: Uh, All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a break. We'll come on back on Byline.
1: 800-725-1651. Paid for by Legal Alert Line.
21: move your things the right way call colonial van lines now for a free quote
1: call now to learn more about this special 250 dollars long distance move discount 800-847-0225 800-847-0225 800-847-0225 that's 800-847-0225
9: you're so ugly you could be a modern art masterpiece
14: 33% sure Rick Tittle is the father of my child, but I'm 100% sure Rick Tittle is a jackass.
3: That hurts my feelings, I have to say. one 800 play I have to say, Sam, I am. I do not like <clears throat> green poo-poo and ham. All right. Here's the test of my, well, a lot of uh, <laughs> In other words... My age, my whiteness, my nerdiness, my out of itness. So here's the NBA All Star game, celebrity game rosters. Team Ryan, and I thought, who the hell is Ryan? Ryan Smith, Utah Jazz governor. In other words, the owner of the Jazz. At first, I thought it said Utah governor. Why wouldn't I think that? So this jackass has said, I get to be captain of one team and I get to play. Well, it's good to be king. All right. Here are the celebs. Kane Brown. I know who this is. This is a black country singer. Yes. I know Kane Brown. All right. Corday. Anything? All right. What are you, Dominic? 30? 31. 31. All right. So you're... You're getting a little up there too. You're not really a little, little bit. You're not really TikTok, Timmy anymore. Not quite. All right. Um. Can we can we hear you or just me? Yeah, my mic's on. Okay. Yeah. Corday. It says rapper. Diamond DeShields, Shields. Uh, WNBA. Anything? oh uh, yeah, she's good. For Is sure. she related to Delino? I don't know. Okay. Calvin Johnson. That's Megatron. Marcos Mion. No. Nah. Mion. The Miz, I would not know who that was, except the Miz was Miz was on this show, yeah. And then uh, our buddy James golfed with him.
25: That I didn't know. That's cool. Yeah, he does a lot of the baseball uh, All Star games too.
3: And he's a he's not MMA. He's a wrestler guy. No, he's
25: right? WWE like action, like regular wrestling,
3: World Wrestling Entertainment. Bingo. Okay. Albert holes, Yes, I had diarrhea so bad I have now two pool holes. Uh, That's pretty bad. Everett Osborne? Actor? Nothing? No. Ozuna?
25: Ozuna's good. Latin artist, uh, rapper, producer. I'm a fan.
3: Now, this isn't Marcel Ozuna who laughed at not going to the A's. No. Okay.
25: They're very different.
3: (laughs) Guillermo Rodriguez, I don't know the name, but then it says Jimmy Kimmel's live correspondent. That's not the security guard that's on Kimmel, right? It's the
25: little short chubby Latin guy
3: so it is the guy
25: yeah he, like you've seen him do like NBA and NFL uh, championship like media like hey guys what do you think about this okay yeah I guarantee if you're you allowed to do him, that
3: voice because your last name is Jimenez I am yeah. but
25: like, like legitimately if you look him up if you don't recognize a name 100% guarantee like oh okay. that guy he's the
3: little fat guy with the mustache yes okay Sinqua Walls don't know that one <laughs> <laughs> actor Remember, they don't want your demo anymore. They don't want your 30 or one year old money.
25: Nope. Uh-oh, ironically, the millennials are the ones that have the money compared to the one they're trying to get, though.
3: <laughs> now, when I see Team Dwayne, the only guy who spells Dwayne Dwayne is, of course, the former Marquette star and NBA champ, Dwayne Wade. And I didn't know this jazz minority owner.
25: Yeah, that happened, I think, in like the last year.
3: And minority owner, double entendre. Uh, but one and a, yeah. He just, that means he's not the outright owner. Nikki Jam.
25: Another Latin artist. Do you know him? Singer, producer. Yeah.
3: Now, is he Good Bunny?
25: <laughs> no, he's Good Rabbit.
3: Um, Jesser.
25: That one I don't know. That has to be Gen Z because I'm looking at the list with you. It just says content creator. Has to be for the Gen Z.
3: Okay. Who is Jesser? I'm Bill Burr typing it. Jesser is Jesse Redell, a 23-year-old American YouTuber famous for videos on basketball, NBA 2K. Aha. So he's uh, – I could see why the NBA would want him. Yep. I'm sure there are people who know Jesser and don't know Dwayne Wade. That's why he's there. Hands down. Yeah. All right. Um, which is sad. Hassan Minaj, I know he's a comedian that I have never even smirked over anything he's ever said. He's from Sacramento.
25: Really nice guy. I've met him. He was in here for a, a podcast with one of the clients that come in. Super friendly guy.
3: Seems like a great guy. I, I just I've not laughed yet. DK Metcalf, we know him. Janelle Monet.
25: Yeah, she was uh, a musician. She's transitioned into acting. She was in Hidden Figures. I don't know if, I know you're not the biggest movie guy, Rick, but she was one of the women uh, in Hidden Figures.
3: Oh, I know her. Yeah. I recognize her face. Um, Yeah, I saw Hidden Figures. Okay. All right, I know her, just didn't know her name. R.E.K. Ogbun Bawale. Do you ever heard of her?
25: Yeah, it's Erika Agumbawale. So I'm she, close. She, yeah, when she was at Notre Dame, she actually hit a game winner against UConn in the Final Four, which kind of rocketed her to general fame and has been really good in the WNBA since.
3: Wow, I remember when he was Colonel Fame, by the way. Um, <laughs> next one, uh, there's just four left. Twenty-one Savage, and it's the number. 21. 21 Savage. You ever heard of him? Yeah, or he's a her? rapper. Her, uh, him,
25: dude. Uh, Post Malone's got a song called "Rockstar" uh, featuring Twenty One Savage, one of his most Chris Malone attachments. No, ah.
3: who'd you say? Post Malone. Oh, Post Malone. Now is that because he was? I, I consider um, what uh, Ted Danson is doing now. Post Malone. <laughs> That's the guy who tattoos his face. All right. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you a Post. Why is he called Post?
25: So his li- his re- government name's Austin Post. Okay. What the Malone, ha- I know he's a basketball fan, but I don't know what the Malone has to do with anything. Okay,
3: so maybe it's the mailman. Okay. In the Post?
25: Maybe. His first oh. hit was White Iverson. That was his first big hit, so yes, he's a basketball White fan. Iverson? Yes, it's about okay. him being a bas- Who basketball Who
3: was the guy, he might be completely done now, it was a white guy with horrible facial hair who was a rapper who was like a nerd, but everybody loved him. And he had a commercial with his own, like, KFC, like, meal. Oh, you know who I'm talking yeah, about?
25: Yeah, I know. As you go through the last couple, I, I, I'll Google it.
3: Yeah, yeah that guy, he, is he done now? <laughs> his name was, like... Herb Bennett, or so. Wait, that was the owner of the of the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Something weird like so, that.
25: So I looked it up. Jack Harlow had a that's meal it. at KFC.
3: That's it. Jack Harlow is he out?
25: Out in terms of what? Like, is
3: he not famous anymore? No, he's still super famous. Oh, okay. Yeah,
25: you know, no. Herb Bennett he is clo- barely has any facial hair.
3: Herb. Well, he had in the commercial. He had. A, that's a, that's the only place I've seen him. He had this horrible like permed goatee um but Herb bennett is pretty close to jack harlow. I'll have pretty to close. All right. And that is an nba guy. Uh three more. Ranveer Singh. Uh do you know him? No, I I'm going to say him. Uh in an in Indian uh actor and he's the the I guess the face of um NBA India. Francis Tiafo, I know. He's an American. Uh, His parents are from Sierra Leone. He spells it like a French girl, Frances. He is a guy, and he got as high as like 14th in the world. But he's one of the only American tennis players on the male side that's actually worth watching. Still not top 10, though. Um, and And then last, Alex Toussaint, a Peloton coach.
25: I'm familiar with him. He's one of the more famous Peloton. How people. are
3: you familiar with a Peloton coach? Just because he's transcended because, it? Because
25: a lot of my friends use Peloton, and I, I've i seen images. And, and he's also become like a brand ambassador, too. It's not just Peloton. He's got his own deals. So he, he pops up from All right. place to place.
3: All right. Thank you for that, Dominic. All right. Getting back to the Wiseman rumors. Here's the thing. If you want to get rid of the number 2 overall pick which was Wiseman, which is now a mistake. Maybe it won't be in 10 years, but it's now it's a terrible mistake. You're probably going to have to throw in Kaminga, so <clears throat> who has a chance to be an NBA star. And listen, it, it's, they have said the Warriors have said that they're committed to Wiseman and Moody and Kaminga. All, all three of them were lottery picks, obviously, and they're going to be the next era, and Poole will be the bridge to that next era. But, look, Kaminga is part of the rotation. I don't know if Moody is worth anything, but Anthony Slater, who I remember when I was at 95.7, he left the Washington Post to just follow the Warriors full-time. He's now at The Athletic. He said, quote, The noise around the league the last couple of days is an increased willingness from the Warriors to engage in conversation and explore the idea of moving their younger, out-of-the-rotation players if a significant enough upgrade is offered. There's a greater whiff of aggressiveness. Offers always get more realistic as the deadline nears. In recent weeks, teams have called the Warriors in search of a bargain. If James Wiseman and Moses Moody weren't providing any current on the court value, could they be had for pennies on the dollar? But in recent days, as the conversations league-wide progressively turn more practical, the conceptual deals coming the warrior's direction have increased enough to believe that something might actually materialize before the buzzer unquote. So that's the thing. Moody and Wiseman have no market value. It all be about money. So wrap your head around this. The warrior's, have the second biggest payroll, and they're 28 and 26, and they're without Steph Curry for the next few weeks. The Warriors will write a $130 million luxury tax check for this roster. Even if Draymond Green declines his player option, that's going to be horrifically expensive next year. And as a result, even small bits of window dressing could save these eye-popping amounts from the tax penalty. Now, before, Alaykab hasn't cared. But that turns to James Wiseman. He's owed $9.6 million this year, $12.2 million the next year. And that means San Antonio, Detroit, Utah, Indiana could trade for him without sending anything back. They could give him away for free. That would save the Warriors $51 million in salary this year and an estimated $85 million in salary and tax. So if you... Give away a guy who never plays, you save $131 million. Let me repeat that. Giving away James Wiseman will save you $131 million. The fact that if he's not dealt that that is what's going to cost you the next two years is wild. Do you perpetuate a mistake like that? That's hard, even with somebody who's filthy rich, to see a guy who's, what, 20 years old looking like deer in the headlights for $131 million the next two years, that's a tough pill to swallow. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on (laughs) Byland.
11: But you have to reach out for help.
10: It's time. I can do this.
11: Addiction is a disease, and diseases need treatment.
1: Call Quit Drugs 321 now at 800-378-3508. 800-378-3508. That's 800-378-3508. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
12: Mambert has gone forward with Stewart to the right, Lineker and Howes to the left. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. Oh, I bet even he can't believe it. Is there anything left from this man to surprise us? That was one of the finest free kicks that this
18: stadium has ever seen.
14: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
3: All right, I got about ninety seconds for Chris in Oakland. Go, Chris!
17: Rick, man, fantastic uh, knowledge with these the celebrities. I loved uh, Dominic, man. Really, just brought you know, amazing. I knew maybe like less than you did, man. I know I like Nicky Jam. He's a real good artist. I think he's a great singer. Um, I don't like Bad Bunny. I think he's way overrated. But I'm not, you know, Latino, uh, you know, guy. So anyway, but um, but so good stuff on that. On the Wiseman deal, I'm with you, man. It just like the Niners. The, you know, the Niners' old philosophy was get rid of somebody a year too early than a year too late. That's going to be. I mean, that's a big thing. And again, I, I'm still mad at Joe Aker for moving the team across the way. But again, I, I, you know, I can't blame him for wanting to cut Wiseman or let him go just to save that money. Um, do you think that um, it, so, so we wouldn't be getting anybody in return? We're just going to basically dump salary. Is that what's happening with this guys?
3: It, I'm just saying that's one of the options. Yeah.
17: Yeah, that'd be kind of you know and. To see, that, you know, they're spending, you know, on a luxury writing a luxury tax check for 130 million, and the A's can't even, you know, field the team for, you know, 50 million. It's just, it's embarrassing what's going on. And, uh, you know, again, ports today, the mayor, you know, the new mayor, she's into it, and they're having good talks. But such bad optics, man. When you, when you, you know, Cavill and, uh, you know, the owner over there in Vegas. And it's just, uh, I don't know. Just yeah. going back and forth that one, and, you know, it's a great time to sell tickets, right? When you're have your guys in Vegas talk about that.
3: Yeah. Too, so. All right. Hey, thanks anyways, for the call, thanks, Chris. Rick. All right. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. We got another hour.
19: USA News, I'm Richard Johnson. President Biden's hitting the road, making stops around the USA in the coming days to reinforce the major points from last night's State of the Union address. He also wants to hammer home that he's willing to work with Republicans. We've worked with Republicans for two years. I hope we can continue to do so in the next two years. Outgoing White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain says there's lots of common ground, like fighting cancer and stopping drugs. The president's in Madison, Wisconsin today, promoting his economic plan and what the infrastructure bill will bring to the region. Tomorrow he will talk about Medicare and Social Security in Tampa. Ukraine's president is thanking Great Britain for its help in the war with Russia.
17: You were among those very few who had helped before the large-scale invasion began.
19: Lodomar Zelensky spoke to Parliament in London before meeting with King Charles. Zelensky also asked for more, especially fighter jets. The U.K. is the second largest donor to Ukraine's war effort after the U.S. 11,000, now at least. How many people have died in the huge earthquakes and aftershocks in Turkey and nearby Syria?
20: In Syria, the biggest problem is trying to get aid into that war-tor- war-torn area, the, the area not controlled by the government. And that continues to be a problem.
19: Correspondent Kelly Kobaya in southwest Turkey. Search crews found more survivors under the rubble of buildings today. But time and winter are conspiring against hope of finding more. Lawyers defending Alec Baldwin in the shooting death on a movie set in New Mexico want to disqualify the special prosecutor. They say Andrea Reeb shouldn't be on the case because she's also an elected official, a member of the New Mexico State House. The Mortgage Bankers Association says more of us applied for a home loan last week, a surge of 7.5% from the previous week, most of that fueled by people refinancing, despite interest rates around 6.5%. This is USA News
21: moments like hearing my cat purr good morning mean a lot to me but after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or mbc which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body they mean even more i take ibrance pelvis ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for postmenopausal women or for men with hr positive her2 negative nbc as the first hormonal based therapy ask your doctor about ibrance and visit ibrance.com ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections Ibrance
19: It is now an international investigation into Nathan Chasing Horse. He's the former actor being held in North Las Vegas, Nevada, on charges of sexually assaulting Native American women and girls through a cult he formed. Now travel authorities in the Sutina Nation in Alberta want Chasing Horse as well.
7: We are in the process of applying for arrest warrants for formal charges to be laid on our behalf.
19: Sutena Police Service Sergeant Nancy Farmer says they have received tips and spoke with victims and at least one witness who alleges that Chasing Horse sexually assaulted her multiple times. The IRS would like you to wait before filing your 2022 federal tax return if you got a special payment or a state tax rebate. It's still trying to work out how to deal with those payments and promises more clarity next week. An interesting side note, before last night's State of the Union speech, Utah Senator Mitt Romney found himself in front of New York Congressman George Santos.
1: Look, he's a sick puppy. Uh, he, he shouldn't be he shouldn't be there.
19: After the speech, Romney told reporters Santos admission that he embellished his record isn't good enough.
1: Embellishing is saying you got an A when you got an A-. minus. Lying is saying you you graduated
4: from a college you didn't even attend. And he shouldn't be in Congress. They're going to go through the process and hopefully get him out.
19: Later Santos responded on Twitter writing, "Hey Mitt Romney, Just a reminder that you will never be president. I'm Rich Johnson, USA News.
4: Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought I'd care about gardening until I bought a house in
17: the suburbs. But now I find myself in conversations about liquid fertilizer, and I wonder, am I the fertilizer guy now? (laughs) No, no way. Everyone knows the ratio between phosphorus and nitrogen, right? Yeah, I'm still totally cool.
19: Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the
4: suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.
6: Life insurance is one of those things that just about everybody needs, but few people actually have. Hey, if you die unexpectedly without life insurance, guess what? You'll leave your family with even a bigger mess. Pricing information, 800-915-9654,
1: 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654. That's 800-915-9654.
21: Rick Tittle knows his sports.
15: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so
2: fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it.
22: Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle biznatch.
3: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. Very interesting. This is from uh, Swati, who's uh, Indian. I mentioned Ranveer Singh, the NBA global ambassador from India. Apparently, he went, quote-unquote, nuts and did a naked photo shoot, which all of India, and he's like a super hunky guy, but apparently all of India reacted very poorly to it because they're a conservative country. And uh, apparently he has a gorgeous actress wife as well, but apparently... um. The quote is, "He is crazy and so out there, and he went berserk." Well, you know who doesn't care? The NBA. <laughs> Come on in and get heard. <clears throat> also, there I read this story about um, the uh, how high school basketball needs uh, a shot clock because there was a game in uh, Oklahoma between Weatherford. And Anadarko, the final score was 4-2. to two. That sounds like um, you had to shoot from the opposite key. That was the only way. But then again, that would be a three-pointer. Or maybe you had to shoot with your eyes closed. 4-2. to two. I could just see it. It's like, all right, we'll take the air out of the ball. Don't foul him. Don't foul him. All right, well, don't foul him. We'll get it across the 10-second stripe. Okay. Don't foul him. All right. Well, don't dribble. Well, don't foul him. This is just what this is. It's not the shot clock or lack of a shot clock. That's not their fault. It's stupid coaches. I saw a Little League game where the guy made everyone bunt because the pitcher couldn't field it, and like nine kids in a row bunted. And I'm like, you're not teaching baseball right now. You're just finding some quirky way to win a game, which is I'm I'm not about it, man. I'm not about it. 1-800-878-PLAY to get in. Got a busy hour here. Pro-wagerings Noah Parker will talk NBA. Australian actress Nadine Garner and then Bill Miller. The guy with the Giants. No, somebody else. Uh, big shout out to our troops listening on AFN as well. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on bye
18: Let's keep making money together.
6: This week,
7: Staples has
25: deals so good, you're going to want to sit down. Are you sitting? I'll wait. Great. Right now, during Staples sit select chairs are more than 50% off. Like the Leather Vortex Gaming Chair. Now just $119.99 at Staples. You save $140. Plus, an 80-count of Lysol disinfecting wipes is only $1.99. So take a seat or two. Right now at Staples, the working, learning, and saving store. Offers end to 11. Share offer valid in-store and online. Lysol in-store only, while supplies last.
3: all right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. We're Tittle with you, coast to coast, around the world, on American Forces Network. And uh, at 11.12, we check in with one of our friends over at Pro Wagering, ProWagering.com. It is Noah Parker. We talk NBA with uh, Noah. Obviously, the big news uh, last night, uh, LeBron uh, is now the NBA's all-time leading scorer. I never get into the old greatest of all time discussion it's different eras at different positions but uh, if you had to make a list of the uh, top five uh, where do you put LeBron in there oh sorry we don't have him you told me we don't have him okay okay I've been doing this too long he just told me we don't have him and I did a five-minute intro 1-800-878 play here's the thing about LeBron Ooh, how's that for a transition Yeah, he needed 20 years to break Kareem's all-time scoring record. And he realizes that he's going to play a few more seasons. That's hardly surprising. And he wants to play alongside his son, Bronny, who will not be able to join the uh, NBA until the fall of 2024. And we'll see what he's going to do with the uh, Lakers. But he said on TNT after the game, I feel like that's what I can still do for any group of guys. For any franchise, I can go out there and still help multiple championships or win a championship. What? Any franchise? Any group of guys? It's very interesting. All right. As I said, pro wagerings, Noah Parker is with us. And uh, Noah, obviously, LeBron is now the all time leading scorer. And I don't usually get into the greatest of all time discussions, it's different eras and different positions uh, as well. But for you, do you put where do you put LeBron in your top five?
16: Um, you're talking about top five greatest of all time to ever put on to put on an NBA uniform. Yup. I mean, I had him. I kind of had him after he beat the Warriors with <clears throat> uh, three, four Hall of Famers they had to make make a 73 and nine team go after Kevin Durant. Was uh, enough for me just because now and well solidified it when he won it just because he won three franchise he's won a, a championship of three franchises I mean that hasn't been done leading not John Sally or Robert Ory type but leading a franchise uh, to winning a, a, a chip so because of all that now, now you put this in there but I always get a lot of uh, backlash for that but that's just my opinion. Um, and now all the numbers—they're not just points—he's putting up assists. And this is a guy that never even was labeled as a scorer. I mean, when he came into this league, he's not a guy that could shoot, and uh, he's a guy that just took it to the rack. So you put all that together, his body of work—I think will eventually have more people having him as the greatest of all time than not. I get his finals record and everything, but he's been to more finals than, than most people could say that they've ever been. So that's that's my opinion.
3: Well, I was—it's interesting because I was thinking if you asked me, like, who are the top ten? 10- pure scorers, you know, and I would think of guys who are just outstanding, you know, jump sh- I don't think of LeBron. No,
16: nobody not a lot of people would. Yeah. So I Yeah. That that's that's what even makes it even more amazing that he was able to break the all time scoring record and these guys not even labeled as a shooter. It's like it's like saying uh, you know it's like saying Steve Sachs breaks Barry Bonds' home I mean it's just something that's you know, you just don't
3: see it. <laughs> I like you got to throw Steve Sachs in there. Uh, <laughs> All right, uh, Noah, Kyrie Irving uh, is with Luka, at least for the rest of this year. So, two-part question, what do you think of Dallas? And we still have another day before the trade deadline. And what do you think about Brooklyn now?
16: I do like Dallas's moves to get him because you're basically saying you're putting um, – remember last year they had Jalen Brunson, who's a lesser version – um, just as good of a you know, just same kind of position. You're making him a primary ball hander late in games now, which is what Jalen did last year. Uh, he took the ball out of Lucas hands a lot and now you don't have to put so much pressure on Luca when he gets double teamed. you have another guy that can that can run the run the offense, run the point guard position. Uh and he's an upgraded because 'cause he's been there, he's won a championship, got leadership, he's just a menace off the court, obviously you all know that. But you're putting a better position player. Now if the guys can shoot around him, which has always been a problem, they're gonna be tough to beat just because now you got a two-headed monster that you can't double team both guys that can get buckets at any time. So for me, I'm saying that you got, you got to put Dallas as one of the favorites now if they can stay healthy, because the West is not that strong to me.
3: What about KD? Is he still in net in uh, on Friday morning?
16: I want to say yes, but um, I don't know. This Camp Thomas thing reminds me a lot of insanity. <laughs>
3: Uh, I want to ask you about Wiseman as well, with Golden State, um, number two overall pick. And here's the deal: the next two years, when you take his salary and the um, salary, uh, the luxury tax, they can save 131 million by literally giving him giving him away without anything coming back. And there are four teams that can take him uh, as he is right now. Do you say, look, he's the number two overall pick? We can't give up on him, or do you say we can't keep exacerbating mistake? Why would we pay one hundred and thirty-one million dollars to a guy that we don't even play?
16: I, I got to go with your first, yeah, the first uh, choice. I mean, I know he's a number two pick, but I mean, a lot of times these picks on okay, that's a lot of money. I know they've won championships now, and they but Kerr doesn't even really use guys like that in his in this style of offense anyway. And um, <laughs> to me he's using so many other guys that, you know, that I didn't see even being put in the rotation, like Anthony Lamb, and just, just guys I'm like, I, it was kind of mind-boggling to me that he would use these guys. But I think he's trying to do more because the, the league is catching up to to that type of offense and slow. and, you know, he's got to do, do other, other ways. So, you know, keeping Wiseman, I, I didn't think it was going to cost this much to keep him, but I don't know if that's a logical move franchise-wise, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone.
3: You know, LeBron yesterday talked about, you know, I can uh, win a championship with any group of guys for any franchise, and people are thought, oh, is he going to get traded? Well, he can't be traded. Um, he has one more year with the Lakers, though. He wants to play with his son, Bronny. That would be as soon as the fall of twenty twenty four. Do you think? Do you see LeBron as a, a Laker, or maybe he'll look around and think, I, I can't win here. I got to get out.
16: I kind of think the second one, and I, you know the 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 fact that he'll have kind of a hold over some teams that know if they just draft him or Bronny, who's you know not a you know not as high as a expectation to be a great player as you know some other people would be, but you know you can bring a guy like LeBron who can who still has the you know the the level of play where he can take a team to a championship level. I think he might use it to hold hostage on some teams, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone from the Lakers, especially the direction they're going. Um, a lot of people were upset that Polinka didn't pull the trigger. Even though it wasn't his fault because uh, the Nets owner didn't want Kyrie over there. But I wouldn't be surprised if he went a different direction. AD's a shell of himself, and he gets injured more than everybody, including Stephen Curry, <laughs> in the long run. So I-, I-, I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone. The Westbrook thing is not going to work out. And, I- you know, that whole Lakers, I think the whole Lakers team, they got their championship, you know, so they can't really be mad at what they did. But I wouldn't be surprised if it all blows up.
3: Last question for you. Ben Simmons' trade value is essentially nil, yeah. and the next two years, he's only 26. He was an All Star a few years ago, but he's owed 77 million dollars the next two years. What What do they do with him?
16: Maybe the same thing they did with Stephon Marbury in New York. Uh, it's It's just it's it's awful how he's just not putting anything up offensively. Um, people knew this could happen. And uh, I think it let, it got to him mentally to where he doesn't even know if he can score anymore because you know I'm, I I <clears throat> I kind of compared Markel Fultz to the same situation. I thought he was going to fall down the Ben Simmons hole, but he's not. He's flourishing in Orlando, and Ben Simmons is young enough to get to figure it out. It's just he's running out of time quickly. Uh, if he if he doesn't make some noise here, especially if KD stays and you know they they try to run it back with with Cam Thomas now, then uh, I don't even think he'll be in the league in the next year.
3: That's Noah Parker, ProWagering, ProWagering.com, breaking it down in the NBA. Uh, Noah, thanks for your time and your insights, as always. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with Australian actress Nadine Garner on the other side.
1: Spirit Dental offers a $100 lifetime deductible, a huge network of dentists. And here's the best part. There's no waiting periods. Yeah, that means you can call right now and have real dental insurance for you and your family tomorrow and get that immediate coverage you want. Spirit Dental has plans for just a few dollars a day up to $5,000 annual maximum, and coverage for implants. Whatever age you are, the dental insurance you need is a free phone call away. Now don't wait, and be sure to ask about Spirit's vision plan. Here's the number, 800-634-0482, 800-634-0482. That's 800-634-0482 That's 800-760-1845.
13: I'm not insightful enough to be a movie critic. Maybe I could be a food critic. These muffins taste bad. Or an art critic. That painting is bad. <laughs>
14: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: Well, I have that effect on people, and uh, we're waiting on our guest. And when we get her, we'll throw her on the air. She's from Down Under. one 800 A play Not Down Under. Down Under. That's how you have to say it, I think. Something like that. Um. <clears throat> I'd like to bring up a topic that I think is uh, interesting. Somebody was asking me the other day, why hasn't there ever been an agent in the Hall of Fame? And will there be one? Because you think about you know, Marvin Miller finally getting in from the union, but why not an agent? And the first person I thought of was Scott Boris. I mean, you don't have to like him. You don't even have to respect the way he does his deals or his tactics. But This past winter, Boris got his clients near a billion dollars. That's what he does. He's the most powerful sports agent in all of sports. He's been the most powerful agent in all sports for a good 10 years. To say that he's in a league of his own would be right. Um, Right now, he represents 106 players... And their contracts are three point eight three billion. And he gets a slice. <clears throat> yes, even if it's ten percent, you're talking three hundred and eighty-three million. Just this off season, Correa got two hundred mils, Andrew Bogart's got two hundred and eighty mil, Carlos Rodon got 162 mil, Brandon Nimmo got 162 mil. He was the first ever agent to get a fifty million deal, a hundred million deal, two hundred million deal, two hundred and fifty million deal, three hundred million deal. As I said, if you think about how young the existence of agents are relative to how long the sport has been around, it's very easy to say that Boris is the best of all time. You know, and Marvin Miller was not exactly the most popular person in owner circles for years and years. He was the union head from 66 to 82 and was in charge of a lot of uh different changes that benefited mostly the player and of course the introduction of free agency and he did not get into the Hall of Fame until 3 years ago. Now they've done different things and I said fans might hate Scott Boris but when you hold court as he does and it's <laughs> it's annoying he makes his players more money almost all the time outside of Stephen Drew and Manny Ramirez and some others. <clears throat> Is there any other agent that you would think of putting into the Hall of Fame? Even if you loathe him, you can't stand to see his face. You can't argue. Look, I can't stand to see John Elway's face. But still, what are you going to do, right? So, um, you know, these scouts will say and executives would say, I can't stand him, but if I was a player, I would hire him in one second and you're not supposed to like him right he does the dirty work so anyway he might be in the Hall of Fame someday it's interesting to uh, talk about all right we're quite happy now to be joined by um, veteran actress Nadine Garner Um, she has a new movie from VMI releasing which is out now called Line of Fire she failed to protect and serve Nadine. Welcome to the show, Rick Tittle. With you in San Francisco, we're syndicated around the world as well on American Forces Network. I know you come from uh, Melbourne, and what I, what I hear is you're not supposed to pronounce the R, right? It's it's Melbourne.
22: <laughs> that's that's right. But you say it any way you like, Rick and okay.
3: <laughs> now I'll ask you this: Aussie rules? Are you Carlton Blues, Collingwood Magpies, or Essendon Bombers?
22: <laughs> How do you even know this? <laughs> <laughs> How do you know this? You've got inside intel. What is going on?
3: I have. I'm a sports guy. Of, of those three Melbourne teams, which one is your fave?
22: Okay, it'd have to be probably Car- Carlton, probably
3: the Blues.
22: The Blues. Yeah.
3: Do, do you go to the MCG or the Docklands? <laughs>
22: The G, man, the G, <laughs> the hallowed ground.
3: <laughs> okay, so tell us about this movie. I mean, I'm looking at you. You got those those big striking blue eyes, as you always do, and you're holding a, a uh, automatic pistol. What's going on here?
22: Yeah, so this is a really, really like, micro-budget in- indie film made out here during lockdown. We actually shot it in 15 days, <clears throat> which is kind of remarkable because it's not – it's not a small story and there's quite a lot of action. And as you said, there's there's weapons, there's fight sequences, uh, so very ambitious. Um, but, you know, I got the script and I thought, wow, this is this is something I haven't kind of seen before. It's certainly a role I haven't done before. I'm sort of known in Australia as the good guy, I suppose. I play a lot of, you know, nice people. <laughs> so um, this character was complex. It's a psychological thriller and it's kind of unrelenting and, it was it was frightening for me to step into it. It kind of took me a long time for the director to convince me to come on board, and it was a real roller coaster of a journey. But look, I, I thoroughly enjoyed stepping into that challenge. Um, it was not easy, Rick. It wasn't easy for anyone working on that picture because it was very confronting. But I believe that the the themes, you know, the themes in the film are really poignant. Um, obviously, you know, even more so in the States with gun violence, but just also this, this notion of, you know, how we lose our humanity online and how, how easy it is to lose sight of the fact that, you know, at the end of the day there's people behind the the the, the laptops and, um, you know, we can sort of troll people and say terrible things and, and whatever you like, but at the end of the day there's a human being behind it. And this film is about somebody who snaps, who's who's really hounded to the point of, of losing it and and the consequences of that, um, yeah. So an important message, I think.
3: No doubt. And for you, I mean, you were a teenager and you were already a star. So you talk about humanity. How were you able to keep it together? Because so many child stars end up, you know, having their childhood—I don't want to say robbed of them, but just a, a very skewed version of reality. How were you able to stay grounded and 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 do this so many decades?
22: Oh, thanks for asking that, Rick. I think in Australia it's a really different industry than the one you're immersed in in America. Like we have a, a much smaller film industry here and in arts, uh, really, the arts uh, really struggles in Australia. You know, it's it, we're kind of thought of as hobbyists and we sort of limp along. We don't make that much money from what we do. You know, we might, we might land a good TV job and, and make a bit of cash, but on the whole, you know, I go between sort of, um, Theatre and a film here and there, so I, I haven't, I haven't really had those sort of heady days of. I've had recognition for sure, and and that's been terrific. But in terms of like not having my feet on the ground, that's never really happened because I've had to just keep trying to live and survive like everybody else. So my daily struggles are the same as everyone's, and I just happen to be in the arts. And the I- arts in Australia is a bit of a struggle. <laughs>
3: I know that Australia is not just a country but a continent, so this might be a bit of a naive question, but my absolute favorite is Chris Lilly and Summer Heights High. Have you ever worked with Chris? Oh my god,
22: so clever. Yeah. Look, I, I don't I I don't know Chris. I've admired him from afar. I've seen him at award ceremonies and wanted to go up and talk to him. Evidently he's incredibly shy, <laughs> as so often these brilliant people are, you know, especially comics. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, yeah, he's he was he certainly had his moment in the sun a few years ago. He's gone a bit quiet now. Mm-hmm. I think, like a lot of comics, you know, who base their their humor on maybe satirizing other cultures. Um, a lot of his his comedy was that, and he's probably having to kind of review that. I mean, you know, yeah, a lot of get cancelled nowadays. <laughs> yeah, well, having to review what what actually we're laughing at, I suppose, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Sure, I just think perhaps for Chris, it's been a bit of a challenging kind of recalibration maybe
3: well it's being so big and staying you know mostly in australia your career like when you walk down the street do people say hey it's arlene toomer like who do you usually get
22: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's funny i still i get i did a series out here called the blake mysteries which was much loved on a, a national network out here depending on the demographic you know i have Someone pulled me up the other day and remembered me from a, a surfing show that I did, you know, 15 years ago or something, because I've been working for so long, Rick. You know, I'm kind of covering all the age brackets now. <laughs> <laughs>
26: um,
22: so I and mean, it's kind of nice, you know, but in a way, as an actor, actors actually want to stay anonymous because no one wants to be pegged as one thing. So as much as we want to be loved for our work, we're walking paradoxes, we also want to be anonymous at the same time. And in some ways, you know, having a career out here in Oz and just being a jobbing actor, I'm sort of free to become whoever I want to become, you know, and I do do a lot of stage, as you know, that's not high profile, so people who go to the theatre know me from theatre, but they don't necessarily know me from telly, and so I have a pretty eclectic career, and, and people haven't really been able to pigeonhole me, which is really the aim of the game for me anyway.
3: Well, you're younger than me, you're the young one in this interview, so... Um, you can take that. Uh, There's the veteran actress, the lovely and talented Nadine Garner. The new movie from VMI releasing is uh, just out now on video on demand and digital. It's called Line of Fire. She failed to protect and serve. Nadine, thanks for coming on and uh, hopefully we'll catch up in the future.
22: Hey, Rick, thanks so much for having me, man. Have a great evening.
3: All right. uh, You too. Yeah. She guessed on the time and why wouldn't she? She's 14 hours ahead. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Violet.
4: I, uh, I don't like my job and
9: uh, I don't think I'm gonna go anymore.
14: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: And uh, welcome back to the uh, show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast, border to border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Uh, We have another guest. We're trying to uh, get on the phone here, and when we do, we'll uh, throw him on the air. <clears throat> we'll literally pick them up. I always say that. Well, maybe, maybe not a catapult, but maybe like more like a, a trebuchet. We could do it like that. All right. Uh, Bill Miller is with us, the president and CEO of the American Gaming Association. And uh, last year that uh, organization estimated that the Americans wagered about $8 billion on the Super Bowl. And uh, this year, because of so many more legal ways to uh, bet, uh it's going to be even higher uh, obviously uh bill welcome to the show first of all i think about gaming that was always what the video game industry put it and what we're talking about gaming we're talking about gambling aren't we
13: we are we're talking about sports betting and uh first uh you know thanks for having me on uh excited to come come from uh come to you from uh, phoenix arizona
3: so um, when you think about the projections of how much is bet, it was always kind of this nebulous thing because people were going under the table with bookies, what, what have you. Now everything is a little bit more out in the open, and these leagues have finally decided that they want a piece of it. So how much do you think is going to be bet this time around?
13: Uh, our, estimate, our estimates are that about 50 million American adults uh, will bet on the Super Bowl this year. And our estimates are about that they'll, they'll bet Somewhere in the neighborhood of sixteen billion dollars, and uh, as you mentioned, that's up that's up one hundred and ten percent from last year. Um, you know, one in five U.S. adults, um, and that's doubling the number from last year. So it's a uh, it is exciting. It's exciting. You know, in you and you mentioned this, and you're open. Uh, you know, it five years ago, the only place you could legally bet on sports in America was Nevada. And now we've got, we're legal in 37 states, operational in 34 states, including Arizona. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a milestone for us in the industry to see the Super Bowl, you know, the NFL prize jewel, being held in a state where people in Arizona can legally bet on that Super Bowl. And it's the first, and it's a it's really, uh, it It shows how far we've come in such a short period of time. I
3: remember a few years ago during the NBA Finals, I was uh, in Oakland, I was at Adam Silver's sort of state of the league talk, and yeah. of course he's the commissioner, and he was talking about how he said, you know, someday we'll make bets from our phones, and we want to make sure that, you know, we we get a piece of, of that. And you talked about states, about a little more than half of our states are in. Do you think despite the whatever moral uh, <laughs> objections people have to gambling, that every state is finally going to realize, kicking and screaming, that they're just going to lose money by not getting on board?
13: Um, I don't know if every state in America will be there, but I do think that you know we're already at 37, so we only have 50. So we're, 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 we're well on our way to getting close. Um, my view is that politicians and leagues, and teams and broadcasters uh, all understand that there's a great deal of upside to legalizing sports betting, and most importantly, it's safer for the better, right? Than the you know the underground market or offshore online websites where if you win, there's no guarantee you get paid, and if you don't get paid, where are you going to go? Costa Rica or Isle of Man or Malta to try and get your money back? No, you, you want Politicians should want, leagues should want, our operators to be able to, you know, be licensed in these states and provide safe opportunities for people to bet on sports in, in a way that recognizes that they've always been betting on sports.
3: How is it when, during COVID, and we really shut down in 2020, obviously, and a lot of industries looked for federal relief, how did you guys navigate those waters?
13: Um, they were certainly difficult, um, um, but I can proudly say that, you know, the politicians in Washington where the American Gaming Association headquartered, you know, we went in hard and lobbied and said, you we should be treated like every other American business. Um, and and that and we're broader than just sports betting where, you know, we represent commercial and tribal casinos all across America, 992 of them. Uh, we, have, we represent all the manufacturers, which include all the people that build slot machines. We have fintech and mobile technology companies that are part of us. And so when we went in and lobbied, we said, you know, look, our industry has been discriminated against each and every time there's been federal relief. Um, and we shouldn't be treated that way anymore. We are, uh, as an industry... You know, we're as big as the airline industry. Um, We are economic engines in cities all over the country. And to, you know, our relief and happiness, you know, the gaming industry, the betting industry, the casino industry, was treated the same as every other American business with regard to federal relief. And so it really did help us get through those very difficult
3: times during COVID. Why do you think... That by the way, we are speaking with Bill Miller, president of the American Gaming Association. We had after the championship Sunday, Chiefs favored by two and a half. I mean, one and a half. Actually, no. The Eagles are favored. No. Now the Eagles are two and a half. Well, now the Eagles are one. Is that does that just fluctuate depending on how the bets are coming in?
13: Yeah, in part. Uh, It also, you know, it 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 matters. you You know, how do the teams come out of the championships? What do injuries look like? Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into setting those lines, but uh, I think that, that that line has remained pretty stable at, um, you know, Eagles minus one and a half, and uh, I can't imagine other than, you know, <clears throat> media day or something happens where it's announced that, uh, you know, some. Some significant cohort of players got COVID, or something, or, or somebody, somebody's got somebody gets hurt. That the lines would change very much from now till uh, game time on Sunday.
3: Also, you know, sometimes, I mean, obviously, you fly into Vegas, all you see is them building new new casinos, and uh, that's because you know, ninety whatever percent of the people go home, you know, losers. You have to know what you're doing. So, what are some of the faux pas that Uh, neophyte bettors make when they get involved that you can sort of warn against?
13: Well, I think first first and foremost is have a game plan. And, you know, we we ran uh, a PSA campaign that we have partnered with leagues and teams, arenas, and broadcasters all over the country as sports betting became nationalized. And, you know, when we mean nationalized, we're now... You know, more than half of all American adults have the ability to legally bet on sports now, and we were also very cognizant of the fact that in other countries, sports betting's kind of gone off the rails. Um, in the UK or Italy or Spain, um, you know, when you know the leagues and the sports betting uh, kind of were not seen by the public as caring about how betters interact. And so our view is, what does have a game plan mean? It means, number one, that you're supposed to. Be, this is supposed to be fun. This is not a second job. And number two, that you set a budget, you stick to your budget, and that you make it social. Know the odds, know the game that you're playing, know the bets that you're making and what is, what is involved in there and what's the risks and the rewards. And so I think that as... As neophytes or people that, you know, occasionally bet are, you know, uh, attracted to the notion of betting on the Super Bowl, that, you know, it, it's not, you know, you're, we're not teaching, you know, nuclear science, but they, people should have, a, have an understanding of what does a bet look like, how much can they afford, and making sure that uh, whatever it is that they're wagering on the Super Bowl or really anything else, that they're doing it with money that they can afford to lose.
3: Um, that is Bill Miller, president of the American Gaming Association. Have a great Super Bowl. Thanks for coming on.
13: Awesome. Thank you.
3: All right, no doubt. Um, by the way, I have always said, uh, if you want to ask me <laughs> about bets, I'll give you my opinion. I won't say, let talk about betting. If you ask me, I'll give you my opinion. But there are a few people who I actually do trust their opinion, and one of them is a guy that I know personally because I worked with him for many years at 95.7 FM here in San Francisco, and that's Joe Fortenbaugh, who was uh, pulled away by ESPN to go to Vegas to be an ESPN betting expert. And um, I see Joe on TV all the time. Every once in a while I'll, I'll text him a picture of his face, and he'll say, oh, I'm ugly or something. You know, he's he's a real good guy. He's from Philly originally. But I was just looking um, on... During the interview, I was looking at some of the sports bets ESPN is recommending, and they have about six betting experts. And as I said, I know... Look, he's not infallible. I know Joe, and he's usually right, and he's pretty smart, even though he's from Philly. (laughs) I said, is he leading Eagles? He doesn't care about that stuff. But I saw something he wrote. If you do want to take a bet, this is interesting. There's a bet... That uh, Gainwell will get one-and-a-half receptions and 11-and-a-half receiving yards. That's the over-under. He says take the over. These are the reasons. Gainwell is the most targeted running back of the Eagles. The Chiefs gave up the second-most receptions to, of any team to running backs in the NFL, And the Chiefs will be occupying A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and others, and that will likely let Gainwell slip through the cracks. He only needs two catches to win this bet. Now, I said it on the air, and I'll probably regret it when it happens. Will I bet on it? No. (laughs) That would require me to sign up for some stupid DraftKings, or what's the other one? Um, FanDuel. FanDuel. I can't do it. But, as I said, it's interesting. That's all he needs, game roll, just to get two catches and get 12 yards on two catches. That doesn't seem like a lot. So they are pulling me in, Dominic. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
26: Who's watching? Tell me who's watching? Who's watching me?
4: Here's the number.
1: 800-725-1651. 800-725-1651. That's 800-725-1651. Paid for by Legal Alert Line.
10: I don't even recognize myself anymore.
11: I'm really worried about him. His addiction. I haven't seen him like this. Ever.
1: Back to pass, goes targeted. He's going down the middle, and White makes the catch. He is creamed, but holds on to the football, losing the helmet. Chin strap flying one way, helmet the other. Holy Toledo.
14: I saw Rick Tittle at the laundromat last night, and I was hella checking him out. I just kept staring at him, and he played like I wasn't even there. I be like that then.
3: All right, I'm going to leave you with one more little vote that I... Uh, vote? Bet that I think is interesting. Because I don't just like winning back what I bet. That's like playing cards. That's the over-under. But here's one. Legarius Sneed... To get two interceptions is two hundred and ten to one. So you put ten bucks down, not bad, two thousand one hundred dollars. Here's something to think of. Defensive backs in the NFL in history, in games which they've had at least twenty five coverage snaps, have had two interceptions about one percent of the time in NFL history. But Snead was the most targeted guy on his team, so if it's a one percent chance of this happening, isn't two hundred and ten to one too low? Shouldn't it be more? I, I don't know. I just think I just think it is. But <clears throat> that one is uh, pretty interesting. Another one is Travis Kelsey. The over/under on catches six and a half. Wouldn't you assume he'd have eight? I would think that you would assume that. Um, As I said, I'm getting more and more intrigued, but I will not (laughs) download an app. I think another one, which is pretty cool, Kenneth Gainwell, 100-1 to Super Bowl MVP. I mean, he would have to run for 180 yards, wouldn't he? He'd have to, like, break one from the two-yard line, have a 98-yard touchdown. Then he'd have to just go ahead and run for a hundred yards, so he'd have to have hundred and ninety-eight yards, and then he would <laughs> he would be it uh, as well. So <clears throat> I love that one uh, as well. That's that's pretty good. Um, but as I said, the only bet you know, as this, as I was talking with that guy, he said you know have a, a game plan. I'll tell you what he means by that, or what I think he means by that. That means don't bet what you can't lose. It's basically it. Just look at his his entertainment. Yeah, that's right. That's the ticket. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll do it again, 9 a.m. Pack time.